Welcome to the social medium. No, I'm not a medium, but I do love different mediums, like social media and podcasting. You may know me from Sabar Vive by JJ or My Beauty Fuel Food by JJ. Now I am a business founder and entrepreneur. Take three, let's do this. This afternoon, I have the pleasure of receiving Garance Doré for the first episode of this new season of the Social Medium Podcast. Thank you so much, Garance, for taking the time to be with us today. It's my pleasure. So I have been a big fan of yours since the beginning. I started my own blog when I was in high school, just before going to college, and I remember following you through fashion weeks and in New York and then followed by Los Angeles. And now you have started a podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I've, I'm such a fan of podcasts. It's incredible. And I, um, I, I spend a lot of time walking my dog. I don't know. There's just like a lot of space because of that, you know, for listening to podcasts. Whenever I do something that's manual or when I travel or whatever, there's always a podcast in the background. I feel like I've learned a lot from that and um, I don't know if you remember but I did have a podcast in the very early days of podcasts I do uh, which was called yeah which was called pardon my French and was very successful actually because yeah I've always loved that you know I used to love listening to radio I've always been and actually one of my first job which I was terrible at was at a radio in Marseille called Radio Grenouille, which I think is still going on today. Um, so there was always, that medium was always a very important one for me. I love it. I love hearing beautiful voices and, you know, I record mine at home, but one day I'll have a studio just because I love sound. It's just something that I, I adore and I love storytelling. I think, you know, over the years, it's been the most enduring of my skills, if you will, or at least the, le- the, the things that I love to do. And I just, I was missing it. But the thing with, um, pardon my French, the first iteration, the first time I did a podcast was it, it was interviews. And I think I got caught in a lot of the traps of that format. And at the end, I got tired of it and I decided to stop. And so this time it's different. It's just me talking. I really wanted to be able to tell my stories. And I'm going to include some of my friends and people that I think are important. But I I, I would like not to do it in a way that's just an interview because I want to do something different. It's been so great with the podcast to really get your story from start to finish, from the south of France to Paris to New York to L.A., um, and now landing, and also really getting to know these topics and these things that you've gone through, um, of which many of us do go through. Um, you know, your podcast about how to be alone for me was such a game changer um, because it's something that um, – I, as well as many others, you know, struggle with and and are looking to learn how to do. Well, you know what? It's one of the most listened to. So that's, it's becoming my number one. Um, So definitely a big subject there. And people really just loved it. And I just, you know, I record my podcasts. It's kind of a riff. I don't, they're not scripted. So it just comes out like that. And then I edit and kind of cut a few things here and there. 
but yeah, it was just an inspiration because that's really, you know, being alone is part of my life as a writer. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's so interesting. So those are the things, how I come up with the subjects. And then for the launch of the podcast of Le Rendezvous, it was, I was, I knew that I was going to launch around January and I really thought, well, talking about solitude, I thought, well, there is a lot of people over the holidays that feel alone. And I thought this, it could be a good time to, you know, offer something to, you know, pass the time or to feel less lonely. And when I did that, I thought it's always better to do that in a series. So you feel like you're captivated by something. And uh, I think the best stories that I tell are about myself. That's what I've been doing for 15 years. And, uh, you know, it's also, it's been years since I've kind of cut my relationship with my readers and my following. What I did three years ago now is launch a newsletter, but it's a more private because it's a paid subscription. So it's a smaller audience of very committed people. And I think the general public, people who follow me, don't really know what's going on in my life and what I'm doing now. It used to be a very clear brand, if you will. And now it wasn't so clear anymore. And so I thought oh, this is a good way to kind of reconnect and tell my story. Yeah, it is true that there has been this lapse of time, you know, this time between when you were in New York and you were you had your blog and you were taking pictures and then when you were in LA and I feel like, you know, like I said before we started our call, um, people know Garance, I feel like, from a part of time in their life. They can identify with one of your moments that you shared and then... I think that what defines me is really that um, I'm a storyteller, I guess. it's I'm a writer. And the first question I ask myself is, is there a message? Do I have something to, you know, lessons that I've learned and that I can share? And I don't really, it doesn't really matter the environment in which I am. And in the case of depression, of course, I didn't talk about it as I was going through it because you're not even really conscious that you are. I think it's only when you start healing that you're like, wow, it was dark and I wasn't doing it. And after that, yeah, I thought, I thought it was, there is so much to say because I shared about it. I talked about it only on my Instagram, but it definitely had so many reactions and people being so grateful. And, and it was actually a moment when I was like, a big big bell like rang in my head and I was like don't go there don't don't share mental health on Instagram don't do that if you your medium is long you know a long format you can't do that because it felt it felt exploitative of myself and I I was still learning the limits of what we can do. And, and, you know, for many years, I had had this fantasy that what I was doing through my writing could be transferred to a medium, like a short format medium, like Instagram. And I think this was the moment when I realized it's not like that. And actually, what uh, the problem with likes and with this culture is that it will encourage you to share more and more of the things that maybe hurt you. And I 
definitely didn't want to identify with that idea of depression. And that's also happened many times, you know, it happened because I've, you know, it's been a constant about my life is that I, I share things that I think will help others or that I think are interesting about a modern woman's life. That's, I suppose, my main subject and I'm the main subject of that subject. So I shared also about my problems with fertility a very long time ago in a Lenny letter. And that was a huge moment because I think I was one of the first ones to talk about it. And after I said that, I got contacted many times to talk about it and to speak on, you know, TED Talks or, you know, I don't know, write more about it. And I refused because I didn't want to be cornered into this and just to keep repeating the same story. Because I think for me, I've never wanted to just embody one thing. I think the life woman is so many more things, you know, you don't get defined by one thing. And when I talked about my depression on Instagram, that's the thing that I felt. I was like, oh, I, I don't know. I got so many likes and I was like, ooh, there is opportunity there. You know, for a second, ooh, I keep if I keep talking about that. And there was also that thing that you've probably observed as this is part of your work of that kind of segment of, of Instagram that is all about, you know, victimization and poor me and, and look at how I'm struggling and give me more likes and all that. And I felt that. I felt that psychologically I could go there. Anybody can go there. You know, there are, the problem with social media is that it's more interested in things that are very extreme. So we're either extremely happy showing this extremely interesting, we go into the extremely depressed or like, you know, look at, and, and it, it, it kind of nurtures these extremes. And for me, and that's also what I've been as much as, you know, has been, I've been struggling with it my whole career is to stay in the middle to be like, we traverse and we go through things, but they don't define you know, us. I remember when you did speak out on your Instagram and how much of a stir it caused when you spoke about your depression and about your fertility issues. And I can imagine that that was a determining moment for you to kind of see which direction you wanted to go in. It's a very difficult it's a very difficult line to hold um, if you're if you're serious about what you're sharing and you know not falling into one extreme or the other. I mean, when I used to work in fashion, it was so easy because fashion just you know fashion's role is to produce all these extreme you know these fashion shows and these crazy fashion items that really shine and get people very much to look at you know your content and all that. And when I was like, this is too much, it doesn't represent me. And I pulled out of that. I found myself with the same problem is that, you know, my style is okay, but it's just, I like simple things. I like subtle things. And so I'm trying to find my way through this. Yeah, but it's difficult to hold the line because there will always be something more catchy that you were like, oh, I could do that because one post will gather, I don't know, a hundred uh, K likes and you'll be like people love this let's keep doing it I 100% agree with you I mean Instagram is definitely a huge combination of people that are you know self-proclaimed experts or real experts in a certain domain or those that are sharing their extravagant jet-setting lifestyle um, and there isn't much middle ground it's really 
you know, almost what's, what's, I want to say kind of boring for Instagram. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then you have to dig deeper and, you know, kind of unearth like, you know, more deep emotions. And, and I, I also thought, saw that, you know, if I kept going that direction what, about depression, even about fashion, about, or about infertility or these kind of things, at some point, if you keep talking about it, you have to sort of become a kind of an expert, which is where a lot of people are now, right? On the social media, it's like, oh, I love cooking. So I've become like an Instagram chef and I am very interested in mental health and I've become these mental health guru. And sometimes they have diplomas, sometimes they don't. And they've just read self-help books and all that. And as much as I think it has a place and I follow some of these new gurus and these new experts and all that uh, that's never what I saw for myself uh, because really my place is more about commenting and writing and telling stories and I never wanted to you know if you, you know first towards myself so that's why I also didn't pursue this direction but also because my main passion is what I do now is like writing and telling stories like I do on the rendezvous. So you've been so many things and are so many things. You're an illustrator, writer, blogger, photographer. Did you always expect or anticipate this success story that you've been living? I thought like every kid, I felt I was special. Um, and then grew to de develop some, you know, sense of, I'm not that special. Many people are better than me. You know, that kind of break that happens when you're a teenager and society helps you do that. Tell you, oh, don't, you know, and you're, you're, you're an American, right? That lives in France. And so you've probably have now experienced that thing that we have in Europe, which is, you know, you shouldn't try to shine too bright. Have you, yeah, have definitely. you experienced And it? especially from what I've heard in school here. I mean, in the U.S., it's all about, you know, you're great, you can do better, mm -hmm. um, but you're already doing so good. Whereas here, I've heard that it's quite the opposite, you know, that you're... Um, yes, you're exactly. Kind of yeah. And you're very encouraged, I think, in the U.S. to just like go for it and you know shine as bright as you can and all these things and that's why you know living in america really changed my life because i not only come from france but also from corsica which is a very small island where everybody knows you and 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 being different and being you know more this or that is not really seen as I mean, you have to be very conformative um and um where was i going with that so that that's how that's how i was as a as a as a child i had this feeling that everybody should have and that kids have that i was special a little treasure i don't know i was i love my loneliness i love reading i love looking at the stars um i adored animals which i still do um so there was all there was a dreamer you know it was very shy incredibly shy which you know now I'm the opposite of that obviously I spend my time talking with strangers and all that but um that's how I was and then you know my my wings were broken like they do when you're a teenager and then I spend the rest of my life, life trying to find them again I yeah definitely and especially from what I've heard in school here I mean in the U.S. it's all about you know you're great, you can do better, um, but you're already doing so good. 
Whereas here, I've heard that it's quite the opposite, you know, that you're, um, you're kind of put down. Yeah, there is really that thing, who do you think you are, you know, and it's, uh, that's something like, you know, don't, uh, I don't know, like, don't think, I don't, this is all these, these expressions that we have in Europe. And now that I've moved to London, I, I, oh, I had forgotten how strong this culture was and how much I need to be careful because I grew up in it. And so for me, it's my part of my programming. So when I'm in the US, it's much easier for me because I'm, everybody's, you know, there is, um, there is an absolutely different culture. There is less jealousy because I feel like people in America are more trained or like taught to be admirative. And instead of thinking, oh, why is that person trying to be richer? They're like, oh, that's inspiring me to be richer, you know, and, and it's that kind of thing. And it's the same with success, it's the same with everything. So it's, it becomes less difficult um, to want to push yourself to the next level. So it's very interesting. And it's not, there, there are great parts to both sides, you know, whether it's living in here, living in Europe or living in the US. But I, I thought that's, a, that's an interesting thing. And it definitely influenced my whole life, you know, whether it's my childhood in Corsica, growing up in France, my move to the US, I think I was there for 12 years or a little more. Um, and I miss it very much. So you miss it? Oh, yeah, every day. Yeah. So what do you miss about it? I miss, uh, well, you know, it's difficult to say because it's not like I have completely in integrated in, you know, the British culture yet because it takes a lot of time. And I think here even more because the culture is really strong. And so it, it takes time. And I love it here. I love the sense of humor. The people are wonderful and funny. And there is just so much new, so many new things for me to learn. One, but I, but I miss the, I miss the way of life. I miss the ease. I miss the way, um, the work ethic, the quickness of things. The you know, we can make it happen. Let's do it. That kind of you know that that go getter type of um, type of energy. I mean, to be honest, my brand Doré is based in the U.S. with my business partner Emily, and so I have basically one foot um, in the U.S. and one foot in in the U.K. for now. So, yeah, you're in a good place. I am. Yeah, I'm very I'm very happy that way. And you know, I think a lot of people, and you'll probably feel that yourself after a certain number of years out of your country and in another one you realize when you come back oh i'm not french anymore you know i my my roots are french and and everything but i'm not the same like it, i'm different i see things differently but then i'm also not american you know and so you, you become one of these kind of hybrids and you're like i can never go back and it's um heartbreaking at the same time because there is you lose a certain sense of belonging uh, because you'll never feel completely at home anywhere anymore but if you look at the bright side of it it's quite wonderful I don't know about you but when I first moved to France I waited an entire year before returning to see my family in the states uh, I was lucky enough that they came to visit me but I almost felt so loud and proud that I was so French and um, so happy to be elsewhere, um, which which is kind of funny because now I can really appreciate both cultures for what they are, even though I resonate more with one than the other. Um, but it's funny how we have this kind of uh, relationship with, with our 
native culture and then our adopted culture? Yeah, for me, it was the opposite. It was like, I'm French, I'm French, I'm French. I'm a French woman in the US. I'm French, I'm French. And then during COVID, I went back to France for quite a long time. And that's when I realized, oh no, I'm not French. I mean, I'm not, it's not that I'm not, obviously I'm French, but I'm not, I've, I've been completely like changed and, and I'm not the same. I don't have the same ideas. I don't have the same points of views. You know, it's, it's very interesting. So it's different. I did, I thought for so long, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm still French. I just live here. And also in LA, as well as in New York, where I was living, there was always a very strong French community around me. And then now I realize most of my French friends, they feel the same. They're like, it's really hard to go back to France. Not because France is terrible. That has nothing to do with that. It's wonderful, but it's just, you don't belong the same way. The sense of belonging is different. It's changed. For me, I see also the French woman as very glorified in the American culture. Like she's so chic, she's so effortless. She has great skin. She's happy being natural. Um, and so I feel like that could be maybe something comforting, um, about your culture, um, when you're far away. I, um, I don't know whether that's. Yeah, I think so. It's funny. I mean, it definitely is something that I've talked about that, um, that, that glorification and, you know, what, how, you know, French women can use it almost, you know, it's, a, it's, it's almost like a built-in personal brand, you know, you don't need to do much and you're just, you're just French and people give you all these attributes. Um, and, I, but I've never felt like it was, um, but maybe, maybe you're right, uh, because it definitely was part of my brand and that was, you know, that made my success at some point of my life. And even today, when we are, you know, launching Doré and all these things, it's still, and the point of view that I have, I think is unique because of my multiculturalism, you know, and, and the, the thing that's interesting is that also there are so many layers because um, my mom was born in Algeria from a, a Moroccan mother. And so there is also all that culture that's really strong for me. So I have this, you know, kind of mix of everything, uh, which I think is, is funny. And now my husband is British, you know, so it's just like my head sometimes explodes. So not to be too cliche, but it is quite ironic that now you are creating your own brand based on this, you know, wonderful stereotype that we love of French women, uh, skincare. Um, your brand Doré. Can you tell us a little bit about Doré and what was your inspiration behind making your own skincare line? I think that the brand was, the inspiration is my beauty routine. Um, the spark of inspiration came from Emily, my business partner. She called me one day and said, you know, your point of view on beauty is so clear. We have a brand there. We should do it. And I was very French that day. And I was like, no, we shouldn't do that. No, pourquoi? Blah, blah, blah. And she convinced me and she said, but look, you know exactly what you want. Um, the brand is right here. And when she, she explained to me that, I mean, it didn't take long where I was like, oh, she's right. She's very often right. And I'm very often wrong. Um, she's right. It's right here. I know exactly how it's going to look, how it's going to feel the type of products we're going to, I can see it. 
And so then it was just making it happen, which is mostly Emily's job. Uh, I'm definitely not a CEO or a business person, and she is. She's a powerhouse. And um, so that's the inspiration. It's that simplicity, it's that you know, uh, versatility, the port of the the fact that you know I. I had access to all these luxurious brands and all these products. And we had this gigantic beauty closet. And the only thing I liked were the simplest products, you know, I, and, uh, and I also have never wanted to spend too much money on beautiful products. And I knew because, you know, I was born in France and grew up in France and we have the French pharmacy culture. Um, that the best products are often a little bit, you know, you know, more simple, more, you know, it's not so much about the packaging. It's really about the product that you find inside. And so we, we were very inspired by that. And the funny thing is that a few years ago, I had a very reactive skin <clears throat> and I went to see my, <coughs> sorry, my dermatologist and she said you're putting way too many active ingredients on your skin so i was like oh my god there's so many so much stuff you know retinols the vitamins all these things and my skin was like no and then so I, I of course my first reaction was like okay i'm gonna drop all these super luxurious products that i have access to and stop doing that and I'll go back to French pharmacy. But then that's when I started looking at the, you know, because now I was more educated about beauty at the composition of these products. And it felt so old school because we've moved on. Now we want products that are, um, you know, and, and lotions that are non-toxic, that are made at certain level of cleanliness. Uh, and so it was, it, it was this kind of frustration where we're like, oh, these products are so amazing, but the formulas aren't clean. That's not what we want. And so that's why we created Doré. You know, there is a really strong cultural difference there, I find, that in the U.S., it's kind of all about what's the new innovative thing. Um, and here in France, it's more about really great basics. While there are people that are interested in those innovations, um, most people are kind of sticking to what works best and always has. And that seems like kind of what you are going for with Doré. Yeah, it's this idea that I think in the latest years, uh, and that's why I think Emily just, you know, put her finger on something really real about me. Um, in the, over the last few years, the, the routines had become insane. There was how many layers of things we needed to do and, and products to add. And now, you know, you have your primer and you have your base and you have, and I was like, that's not what I do. I'm too busy and I travel a lot and I don't want to carry with me 20 kilos of you know beauty products and so what I need is my skin to be clean and moisturized and that's basically it and you know when you talk with um, researchers and labs and all that that's that's what at the end of the day that's what they tell you and I don't I'm not, I don't want to go into why we have to be careful about all these you know active ingredients because it's not the subject of your podcast but it's definitely good to give our skins a rest with simple moisturizing very good clean products and that's what we wanted to create so what are the next steps for Doré 
and Garance. I think that you know, yeah, it's 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 a it's a kind of parallel adventure that we're living, Doré and Garance. Uh, Doré, what we want to do is for it to develop at its own pace. We really truly believe in word of mouth, in doing good products. It's something that you know we want it to be really strong, have strong foundations, so that it doesn't you know kind of get destroyed by the first gush of wind. So that's what we want to do and be very thoughtful and not throw out too many products, too many campaigns and all that, but really build a core foundational routine and do the same with our followers. Like people are buying our products over and over again. And that's the most wonderful thing because that's what you want. You don't want to be just like, you know, one of these brands that people buy once because it looks cool and they've seen an ad and then they never come back again. So we really are trusting the, our formulas for people to come back and then tell their friends exactly the same way as we do with French pharmacy products, isn't it? It's like, oh, do you have embryolis? Do you have this thing? So, so this is our main strategy, I would say. And then release, you know, a few very good, very essential products um, when they're ready, when it's time and take our time and do things well. As far as I'm concerned, I am slowly coming out of my bubble that I told you about, you know, that moment when I thought it was important to take a step back. Right now, I'm trying new things trying out my voice. I know my message and I know where I'm, where I'm going, but I think we're living in a world where you have to try things out and launch them before they're exactly perfectly ready um, so that they can take their final shape. And my idea is to keep writing my newsletter. I mean, this has been one of my most wonderful adventures and we should talk more about this because that's, that's one of the best things that I do and grow the podcast and keep talking in that, you know, very intimate voice. I'm just doing something that I would like to listen to, you know, just like kind of a chat with a friend and we can talk about everything and every question is allowed and do that. And then I'm working on a book um, and, you know, just, just to meet like that focus on, becoming better always at storytelling and avoiding the traps that we were talking about earlier with social media. Thank you so much, Galance, for sharing your story, more about your ups and downs, getting off the grid, getting back on it. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you. I mean, I think that you should be the one giving me advice because you're the one who knows how to navigate this world of social media of branding and all these things so maybe we'll do a, a call and you'll tell me okay you should do this i would adore that i would absolutely <laughs> adore that and give you so all much right. credit for stepping back and really taking the time to come back when it felt fit for you and not letting it get away from the person that you really are and sticking to who you really really are yeah it's not it's not easy but nothing's easy you just have to push through and to keep doing and 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 all that and there's a whole subject about also when it's a personal brand when it's a human it's not a I'm not Doré you know what I mean so you 
you'll go through changes, you'll get older, you'll have new sorts of interests and, and things you want to talk about. And how to navigate and negotiate those turns is, I think, going to be a subject that's at the core for everyone because we're all online, you know, showing showing up right now. And by the way, you have pretty much one of the most perfect last names to make a project. So, <laughs> really well, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Garance.